Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to the Get French Football News show. We start the year, as always, with the best weekend of football, the Coupe de France round of 64. This weekend, the world's biggest football tournament, with 8,500 participating clubs, was home to some great stories again, including the best performance ever from a club from the overseas department of La Réunion. We'll cover all the cup excitement, as well as Robert Moreno's first match at Monaco and Anton Cambouret's last match for Toulouse. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. With me, as usual, here today, Mohamed Ali. Hi, Mo. Hi, everyone. Mo, I, I, you and I and others have just finished watching Arsenal Leeds. And what an exciting match. My question to you today is, you know, how much do you regret that French football wasn't able to hold on to Marcelo Bielsa? I regret it every day <laughs> since, since 2015. Um, and it could have all been so different, certainly for maybe not for Lille, but certainly for Marseille if he had if he had managed to stick around. Because um, yeah, I just love him. <laughs> Clinton McDovis, hello. Hi. Good evening. Uh, you, you know a bit about Lille. What 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 went wrong for Bielsa then? Honestly. Uh... <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it's, always, <laughs> it's always hard to, you know, um, point out things that go wrong with Bielsa teams mm. generally because there's just so much going on, you know. Um, I remember his spell at Athletic Club Bilbao. It went really well for the most part, and then I think they got to the end of the season. They were in two finals, the Europa League final. That was after they completely demolished uh, Manchester United at. Um, at Old Trafford, and then somehow they just capitulated that season. And there's always some madness going on around him, which is, um, you know, related to what most said already, that um, you either take all of him or none of him. It's like uh, the John Legend song. You have to love <laughs> all of him because he comes with all these different fragments. These, oh, these parts that, yeah, he just comes with a lot of drama. But when you let him work, you see it. I think um, at Lille he was playing Pepe as a nine, which was that's possible, yeah. Those kind of things. Just you just needed to tweak some things a little. And you know, sometimes when everything is going wrong, everything is just going wrong. Like when nothing seems to be going your way. That that just kept happening with that team. And then you had underperformers also, I think and Benzia and the and the rest. So there were there were issues. Um obviously there were some underwhelming performances from players as well and all of that. It was just a combination of things really. But I really wish he had been able I, I to think, stick around. Mm, okay. Sometimes it's it's like, you know, I don't know if French football culturally is is fully ready for a man like Bielsa who needs his independence, like you say. Um, and, and let's begin to turn to the Coupe de France now and get back on track with our, uh, I guess, Philippe Bargiel, I guess you are a pitch side reporter on, on this one. You attended four matches this weekend, didn't you? Yep. Which Good one? Evening. Good evening, Philippe. Which one was your favourite? I'll have to go with Red Star. It was the third time I went to Bauer. Uh, so Bauer, uh, the stade um, uh, du Docteur Bauer is uh, not too far from where I live. Um, mm -hmm. I actually had to uh, walk back from the, from the ground because of the because of the strike. And uh, it was a great it was a great atmosphere, giant killing. Or giant killing. Red Star in uh, Division Three, which is National 1, and they knocked out Chambly, 
which is uh, League 2, so second second division. A uh, little um, uh, irony is that uh, both clubs uh, play at the same ground when they both play in Ligue 2, which is at Beauvais, which is hundreds of miles, oh, away, from, hundreds of miles away from where from where I live or from where Red Star should be playing at home, and really not that close to to Chambly, uh, to Chambly anyway. So that was uh, yeah, that was really cool. I mean, there's a the, no, it was. Was pointed out to me actually on Twitter that out of the four guns I did, uh, Bauer was uh, was actually the only one without an athletics track, and uh, the atmosphere was great fun. Great yeah, fun. Good, good stadiums are hard to come by in in Ile de France, uh, to yeah. be fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, start our our Coupe de France roundup with what I mean, possibly the best story of the weekend on Saturday. Niort from Ligue 2 hosted Saint-Pierroise from the French department of La Réunion, who play in Regional 1, which is the sixth tier of football. Uh, it was already the, the joint best performance ever from a Réunion team to make it to that round of the Coupe de France, and they beat Niort 2-1. Mo, just what kind of an, how historic an event is this? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's massive. Um, it's obviously the first time that's happened in in over 30 years. And the fact that they've now uh, now qualified for the last 16, uh, sorry, the last 32, where mm. they're going on to play Epinal, um, who are only about, I think, one or two divisions above them. Um, so mm-hmm. they've got a fantastic chance to, 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 to better that because they've, you know, they've started their run in... October domestically, as I think our listeners will know that um, the winners of the cup in reunion then qualify for the mainland French Cup, um, and so their obviously their journey began began sort of well early on in the season, and I think this is their second game on the mainland, um, if I'm correct, having already won um, a fixture in the two rounds that were preceding this one. Um, mm. So it's an absolutely fantastic result, not only because it was their second trip to mainland France as part of this journey. 10,000 um, kilometers. Exactly. Nothing shorter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, it's the, also the fact that, you know, these players have sort of really dug in deep against the League Two side at home. It wasn't exactly, they haven't gone to a national side or national League Two side or whatever. It was a League Two side at home. Um, mm. And they've managed to to hold on to claim uh, probably a well deserved victory. And New York, in in you know in return, are doing really really poorly in league, just narrowly above the relegation zone. So for them, it's it's a sort of a calamitous result. And for Saint Pierre, uh, their you know obviously the financial windfall that they will get from this is uh, is strong. Um, mm-hmm. It's a fantastic result for the players. For, for 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 the for the league in reunion um and also for uh, the islands as well for the sort of the footballing community there because obviously it's an exploit it's it's you know they're sometimes a bit looked um they're sort of looked aside because of the fact that they play um abroad um while it's obviously still an integral part of france as well uh, so the fact that they're able to participate but also dominate um, in these competitions back on the mainland really I think helps the image of football um, in that country, you know, in that island um, so yeah, above all, fantastic result um, 
I should have looked this up, but do you know if at any point are they eligible to play in you know mainland league football or is the you know being top of the Réunionnais regional league the best they can hope for? Yeah, it's the best they can hope for um, because that league is affiliated with a CAF. Um, oh, not interesting. Through France, okay. not through UEFA. So, uh, apart from qualifying for the French Cup, um, they have the the league um, and the league winners or the runners up. I don't know how it works. Go on to play in the CAF Champions League or, or the CAF Confederations Cup, um, um, and continue their domestic sort of form over there. But obviously, it's, since it is a overseas department, they're entitled to play in the French Cup, and I think that's the only continental um, sort of or sort of exposure that they have with with europe mm. so that's it interesting six six tier because yeah i was about to say yeah it's mm-hmm. it's a first i mean to, to me it sounds like it's a first division of uh la reunion uh league which yeah uh, and it's labeled it's not very very big so they say they say it's six tier but i mean I, I looked it up and and first of all when when i i first saw the article said regional one i said well where where does that uh, come into is it straight after National Trois or whatever but yeah. to, to, to me it's just not it's inside the French system because it, it is La Réunion is French but it's not really part of the French pyramid is it? Yeah that's exactly yeah, yeah. And, and that's why the you know it is labelled it is called Regional 1 but that's it's misleading to yeah it's, it's not it's, it's not the right equivalence to consider that as 6th division is yeah is the point. Yeah, I agree. And they do, you know, they're a big club on in La Réunion. This is where players like Dimitri Payet or Florent Cinema Pongol um, played, both from, from La Réunion. And they also, apparently, they're quite well connected because I read they managed to attract um, quite big names towards the end of their careers to come play a little bit with them, including Jean-Pierre Papin, Roger Mila, and Djibril Sissé. So, you know. Well, um, I think it was in the Guardian that Elliot Grandin, um, who used to play for uh, for Marseille and mm-hmm. more recently in Blackpool in England, um, as well as Crystal Palace, um, um, was in their squad um, and managed to play um, at the weekend. Oh, wow. um, so yeah, they like you said, that's a great example. Um, yeah. And it probably, obviously, is Dimitri Payet's old club. Um, yeah. So you never know. In 2024, 25 French Cup. Um, and another exploit <laughs> might feature uh, Mr. Payet. Yeah, Payet. which a joke. A joke is also from um, the island. Is he? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I can't wait to see uh, Dimitri Payet winning the Coupe de France with saint pierre <laughs> in 2024 to make a last-minute effort to make to the French national team for the Euro <laughs> <laughs> in that year. Um, Sounds like you. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Niort sacked their manager after that defeat. Uh, they're 18th in Ligue 2, haven't won since November 22nd. So, uh, yeah, clearly not in, in very good conditions there. But as you say, Mo, saint pierre play against Epinal in the next round. We'll be keeping an eye on them, of course. Uh, let's move on then to the holders, Rennes, who uh, had a fantastic year in 2019, by, uh, notably by winning the Coupe de France. And it was a very close call for them on Saturday. Did anyone catch the penalty shootout between them and Amiens? I did. Tell I us did. about it, Clinton. 
it was a huge scare to be honest because <laughs> <laughs> it looked like there was one point where it looked like I think um Amion needed just needed to just score their pen to to win the game mm. and um they missed it and then from there um Ron just took over and then won but it was a huge scare I was surprised that you know Ron let it get that far but they did dominate the game at least from the statistics. I didn't watch the full game, but I caught like the, the towards the end of the game, like the extra time anyway. And um, it was really unnecessary for them to let it go to 120 minutes and then penalties. But credit to um, to Amion who took it that far and really should have taken it. Um, mm-hmm. The penalty missed by the Passi. I remember that. But yeah, that I can't remember the rest. But the, the winner was by uh, I think Demian da Silva. So, exactly. but overall, overall, I was relieved to see Ron get through because honestly, um, as much as I like an upset, um, I, I don't want a team like Ron out of the cup because I think they are a, a club that would, you know, that are very strong in cup ties, generally, and uh, I think the cup needs them for more excitement. I mean, we can have the minos there as well from like the other tiers and all that, but when it comes to like two Ligon clubs. Facing off, uh, I felt like um, better to have the stronger one. It was probably just an off day for mm. one, but it's good to see them. Yeah, you could see it meant so much to them when, when they won it, and it's it's as you say, it's good to have their passion in the cup still. Yeah. Um, Benjamin Bourigeau, after the match, said that um, their manager Julien Stéphane had predicted that this match would be very close and probably go to penalties. And he said Stefan is some kind of sorcerer uh, with <laughs> with these regular predictions. <laughs> so uh, it, it, they do seem to be uh, living in harmony again. Uh, and it's exciting to, to see that. Uh, let's follow on then to Monaco-Rhinst, which was probably one of the uh, big, biggest ties. Well, two fairly good Ligue 1 teams. I don't know if you want to call Monaco good, but obviously big news. <laughs> Uh, big news over the break from Monaco with the sacking of Leonardo Jardim and the appointment of Robert Moreno. Uh, Clinton, you follow Spanish football a little bit. He was the manager of Spain for a few months. Yeah. Uh, wh- what do you make of this appointment? He has little experience apart from that. Yeah, it, it, it's a very risky move. I thought um, they were linked to Marcelino, the former uh, Valencia manager, and I thought that would have been the more... Um, sensible you know higher but at the same time i understand that you know moreno has a very big reputation in spain he he started um like coaching and all of that like really early in like from his teens he was already interested in you know coaching and all of that so i think he really impressed from what i gathered he really impressed the monaco management so they went for him what i do remember him for as spain manager was dropping my favorite player (laughs) danny parejo (laughs) So <laughs> I kind of held a grudge against him for that. But um, I think he started well. Though. The the game was... Monaco didn't look, you know, bad. You could see the ideas that he was trying to implement and all that. And um, it was good to see them win. I think he boosts their confidence a lot. I don't know what to expect of him yet. I think I like to give you know, relatively unknown managers like this. I like to give them um, two, three, four games to see what... They are coming with um, the same thing I'm doing with Ateta at Arsenal, and um, 
Valencia's current coach actually is is kind of similar to um, Moreno in that he was also an assistant manager to Lepetegui and also handled them the under under twenties or under twenty ones of Spain. Assistant to so, to Luis Enrique, you mean? Um, no, 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 it was Moreno? assistant to Lepetegui. No, 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 Moreno. I'm talking about the current Valencia oh, manager. Oh, okay, my bad, my like bad. Similar Sorry. to yeah, it's similar to Moreno. That's um, Albert Celades. Similar to Moreno in like the trajectory and just getting a big job out of nowhere. That mm. also happened with Celades. But so far, Celades has done very well. So I think he bodes well for Moreno as well. Um, he seems well, like a very knowledgeable guy. So The, the conditions at Monaco are, are a little tough. Uh, we have a question yeah, from yeah. Arman Khan asking us, uh, was, Yardim sacking, was Yardim sacking right? Was he responsible for the struggles at Monaco? I mean, Philippe, what do you make? Probably, yes, the sacking was right, no? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Um, we So, as everybody knows, he, he's already been sacked. He was replaced by Thierry Henry. And the thing with Thierry Henry didn't go very well. He, he mm. came back, probably with a pay rise. And uh, the uh, end of the first half of the, of the current season did not end too badly. Uh, they scored uh, quite a lot of goals against uh, side. I don't, I don't remember. I don't against really Lille, yeah, five-one. Against against Lille, which is quite impressive. I mean, not a lot of sides are able to to put to, to score five past Lille, and now he's being sacked again. Now there's been loads of pro and um, and against and against Jardim. Um, just just to show just to show some uh, maybe some uh, some betting figures in if anyone has the. Uh, has the odds on Jardim returning for a third stint at Monaco, which seems <laughs> really highly unlikely. I I honestly don't think that Moreno has uh, that much pressure. Uh, as I think everybody knows that uh, there's a lot of uh, unrest in uh, in Monaco. That uh, uh, a lot of uh, structure needs to be um, uh, needs to be. Uh, well, basically, that there's a whole place needs to be organised and reorganised, uh, even though they've got, they have, they have quality players, and that uh, Moreno, I believe, will be given time to, um, to, to, yeah, to, to organise the whole thing. So, only if they go on a big losing spree, like ten games, ten, ten straight defeats, like uh, Toulouse, and I believe we'll talk about Toulouse mm-hmm. later. I, I just feel that uh, Moreno will be given, yeah, will be given time, and that uh, it, he'll only be judged by by the board at least, uh, shall we say, in a year or maybe 18 months from now. And again, this is Monaco we're talking about. If they don't make the Champions League, nobody really cares. I mean, it's not like it's not like uh, uh, PSG or Marseille not or or Lyon <laughs> not playing in Europe. It's it's still it's still only Monaco, even though mm. you know no. Dis- to, to all the Monaco fans listening to us this evening. In any case, on Saturday against Reims, they got a little lucky that Reims didn't score their penalty at the 86th minute when it was 1-1. Uh, Moussa Dungia took that. And I don't know why. I Maybe he's missed a penalty before. I don't remember. But I was so sure he was going to miss that. And it was indeed Same. saved I by... Yeah, it, it didn't look like someone that wanted to score it. Honestly, yeah. it looked very, very jittery and all. That. I was wondering why he stepped up to take it if he was 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 not sure he was going to score or something. I get but frustrated it was with Simbia. Yeah. yeah, he's clearly yeah. so talented, but sometimes he just looks like he doesn't care like that. Um, yeah. But anyways, and uh, just a few minutes later, at the end of extra time, Keita Balde would score his second, 
and grab the win for Monaco. Uh, so they move on. Let's turn to Toulouse, as you mentioned, Philippe. It's the, well, this was uh, Comboire's last ever game. They lost against Saint-Privé Saint-Hilaire, another amateur team who won it in the uh, very last minutes, I believe. Ten losses yeah. in a row for Toulouse and Comboire. Uh, Comboire, who only lasted for 83 days at the head of Toulouse. That's, that's shorter than, you know, Napoleon's return, which was 100 days. So, Mo, this is my last ever question to you on <laughs> Comboire. What are we going to remember about this uh, period? Um, I mean, all I remember is the way that we were bigging him up back in October, saying, well, they're finally scoring. <laughs> Uh, the final <laughs> you know, they beat Lille at home, yeah. lost a crazy game at Rennes, and then lost narrowly to to Leon. But the signs of a promising start were there. Then they just absolutely, you know, threw it all away. I think the, <laughs> the results were getting more ludicrous by the week. Conceding four to Strasbourg, conceding four to Leon, three to Nice, and then that embarrassing, embarrassing defeat. I mean, when it's not with you, it's not with you. I think the players are well out of it. Um, you know, Kouloris is, is, is not playing at all well. Uh, Vanker, a player that I had high, high um, um, uh, you know, I had high, high hopes for him and um, mm. I hold him in high regard as well. Um, he's just basically in pie pass completely in midfield. Kelvin Amiens, another one. He's sort of sinking. Um, the whole team is just absolutely bereft with hope and it's not just Kumbara here, even though it's, it's the wrong decision to hire the same, I think it's the same in England where they just sort of repackage the same sort of coaches, Comboire, yeah. Antoinetti, etc. The ones that have left by multiple just because their team is French and, and have a stamp of, you know, it's, I mean, frankly, I mean, I missed this conversation uh, about Monaco. I, I don't agree with the hiring of Robert Moreno, but I do mm. at least agree with uh, some ingenuity, some sort of yeah. uh, mm. decisions. And then Toulouse, when they're just repackaging the same thing. This is not a club that needs a quick fix. This is a club that's on a very, very slow decline. And they're not going to make, a, I think, a, a great escape is not going to be on the cards, even though they're only five points uh, behind the possible playoff place. Um, so they, they need a lot of support and they need a budget to to um, that matches that because the quality of players is absolutely awful. And, and full, full uh, you know, Full respect to Saint Preve, um, who held them right to the last and were absolutely good value for it as well. Um, so it's just it's just mm. a really really awful time to be a <laughs> fan. Uh, they've appointed their uh, he was the technical director of the uh, youth academy, Denis Zonko. I well, don't think well, yeah, I don't know. think any of us have heard of him. <laughs> well, there you go. So they, 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 need, they probably need to spend big just to keep their play, especially with the TV deal. You don't want to be, rele- be relegated this year. Um, well. And it would probably yeah. be worth just shelling out one million for the manager. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you might as well. You might as well just, you know, go all in. Um, and there you go. They've, they've gone for the budget option. Don't be surprised when he's gone uh, come March or April. Mm. Um, and then they, March, they, they February, get February, you know? yeah, yeah. Next, the next 83 February days. 14. It's getting tired of February 14. Um, so, so they're not really going to appoint anyone, they're just going to go with uh, the uh, uh, someone from the inside and yeah. see what, what's going to happen with them. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, That's I mean, advanced you'd plan. To, you'd have to have a very, you'd have to be a very poor team to lose to this Toulouse side, I think. Um, yeah, they are, their upcoming fixtures are not friendly at all. No. <laughs> they have well, Lyon, Lyon they, and Marseille, they have Strasbourg yeah. at home, and they have Marseille as well, oh, and then Nice after that, and then Lille. <laughs> it's mm. not great. And um, uh, r- reportedly, Sadran, the president, has threatened the players to, uh, you know, stop them from leaving if the clubs get if the club gets relegated, which I don't think is the best motivation. I I don't know if that kind of stuff works. Um, it doesn't. Whether he follows through on it or not, it just <laughs> it, it's yeah. Anyways. Well, historically, uh, that guy is not very good at uh, communicating with, uh, with yeah. the press. His press conferences are pretty. Pretty shit. I mean, uh, it always have been and always will be. And I've always been of the opinion that Anna Casanova uh, was uh, basically the um, uh, uh, the guy saying, "Okay, things are bad, but uh, I'm trying to make uh, make it work." And he did actually, because uh, under Casanova, Toulouse weren't that well, not not very good, but not yeah. not as bad as uh, as they as they were under under Comboiré. I still think that the squad is not um, League 2 quality. I think there's still some some quite very able League league 1 players, in, uh, which which to me is not the case. The same case uh, as Nîmes. So I do believe that if they do if they if they put the right man in charge in the hot seat, they have a chance of making that 18 spot. But they need they need to fight. What epitomises uh, the whole Combare era, shall we say, 80 days. Uh, is uh, that player saying um, uh, after after the game he was uh, he was interviewed pitch side uh, saying on est des putes which uh, which basically says we are we are fools uh, which, and he 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 honestly said he only said it's not the manager's fault it, it's it's ours we we need we need more fight we need to fight more uh, I don't know that to me that to me was a was a big yeah was a big uh, uh, stopping point in uh, how the players were reacting and you just can't see I mean does anyone can I think Toulouse have a good, have a nice squad but does anyone see them I actually, think so too yeah but does anyone see them actually competing in a, even even in a, on, on a psychological level to the likes of Amiens Metz Dijon Brest uh, and uh, you know Lyon uh, I, I don't see it no it's just it's, they just don't seem to be up for it Whereas Metz, Amiens, and Dijon seem to be really up for it, and they really don't want to go down. But I mean, I feel like if you bring in the right man, you can I really turn can, around yeah. the the atmosphere and the whole feeling around the club. Mm. And I mean, I know that from experience because it's what we've seen at Arsenal with Arteta, and it it feels incredible. The players are, you know, they look like completely different players all of a sudden. And they're talking about exactly how they've kind of gone through yeah, that emotional they're process. Enjoying the football now. Yeah, but it's not easy to make that appointment, and I don't know if Zanko will be that guy. Uh, I mean, we have no. There's no way for us to know that since, no, since no. we don't really know him. But I don't uh, know right. why they're taking risks at this point. They shouldn't be taking risks like that at this point because they're in a very terrible situation currently. They should be going mm. for. A manager with experience and someone that is not, you know, someone that has been recycled, just someone different, something different, but still pretty sensible. I, I'm not very sure about this internal hire. It's, 
It's a bit yeah. risky. We have well, to lose. We'll have to see. It looks like we'll still be we'll still have to talk about them for some reason or another in the weeks to come. So we'll have that discussion. Um, let's move on to some of the other matches. I mean, I'm going to ask you guys if there's any, you know, any matches that you enjoy that you want to talk about. But before I get there, Mo, I know you watch this for sure. So I'll ask you about it. Trelisac won, Marseille won, ended on a penalty shootout. Uh, tell us about it. Um, yeah, it was a very weird game in that, I, you know, I, I wasn't at all um, worried that Marseille would be eliminated. Um, well, at really? least throughout the game. Even no, on penalties? No, no, no. Okay. I was scared for you. No, no. Uh, because it wasn't, it wasn't like last year where it was quite apparent that Marseille were not going to be at the level required to, to be mm-hmm. a fourth division team. Um, but Trelisac only really had, I think, one major chance other than the fact they scored a very jammy goal, should we put it, um, after when, um, seconds, when the ball, yeah, when mm-hmm. the ball ricocheted off Yuan uh, Pele and into the goal, literally they did nothing. Um, and Dimitri Payet's excellent lob equaled the game. Um, I think it was just it, for them. It was a training ground sort of game. I, the, you know, <laughs> I don't know if complacency played a part in it or whether whether it, the pitch also had an effect because the pitch was um, very, very probably the pitch because there yeah. were some um, passes that they were giving that were just comical. Yeah, it was quite the pitch was awful, and I think it's what AVB had already sort of spelled out before, uh, before the game. Um, so yeah, it's just it's difficult. Obviously, things did not help when when Hiroki Sakai was sent off rightfully for a second yellow card uh, later on. So against ten men, sort of OM just held on, um, and then won the penalties where uh, Ricardo Carvalho, the the assistant coach, he was praised in in particular because the television cameras cut to him waving or like putting an arm out um on his right side and his left side particularly because he's, he seems to be the only one that's done his homework Trelia said qualified for this round <laughs> by winning on the penalty shootout um so he's done his homework and knew which of the takers would put the ball in which area and you and Pelle went on to save twice uh for Marseille to go through um and if you were wondering if you're watching the game as I was why it was car value that the camera was being panned on and not AVB during yeah. the shootout, there was a reason why, because um, he 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 had the list of the, the penalty takers uh, for Trinitac and <laughs> I was wondering uh, what was in yeah. was in the paper. The paper was so, holding. <laughs> yeah, so he, he he'd clearly done his work, um, and yeah, in the end, it's it was a it was very very turgid game. There wasn't really anything exciting going on for it, but uh, yeah, on to the next round now, where another fourth division team is in wait, another team that Marseille beat. Um, just a couple of years ago, uh, the same, but uh, just by a twist of fate, they beat Trellisac in 2016, and they went on to play Granville, um, who who is the new draw uh, oh, this wow. time. Wow. That season, OM went to the final, um, so you never know. Interesting. What happened in the final? Well, I actually I went to the same game Versailles <laughs> and the <laughs> <laughs> Um. Mo, there was a little bit of controversy after this one uh, because traditionally what happens in Coupe de France when a uh, Ligue 1 team plays against uh, plays at an amateur stadium, uh, well, mm-hmm. you know, away to an amateur team, is that they uh, forfeit, they waive their share of the ticketing for the amateur club because that, you know, represents a 
source of revenue that they wouldn't usually ha have at their level, and it's mm -hmm. not as important for uh, a Ligue 1 team. Every once in a while, some Ligue 1 teams don't respect that tradition. And this yeah. year there were three, um, but there, it was a, a particularly tense moment concerning Marseille yesterday. Yeah, so like you mentioned, it is obviously common or tradition for, for them to to leave their shared gates for seats. Um, and at first glance, I I agree. It, it's a very it looks bad <laughs> for a multi-million pound club. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be Marseille, any team in Liga to refuse forty thousand, fifty thousand euros, whatever it may be, um, to a team in the fourth division. And it's the same in the FA Cup where, you know, certain teams uh, hold on for a replay just so that they can bank that, you know, TV payday or, or playing at the Emirates or bringing Manchester United back to whatever, you know, whatever part of the country they're located in. Yeah. Um, so it seems a bit tight at first glance for Marseille not to, not to let this be. So when I read it, I thought that really is a bad PR move because during how well sort of Marseille have, Sort of built slowly the goodwill over the last couple of months. Uh, you know, the team is doing well. You know, the, sort of the board has stabilised a little bit. The signings have done well. So I thought it was a very bad move. But um, last night, Marseille released a statement justifying the action. Some people obviously took umbrage at that. Uh, but in it, I thought it was quite measured in that, you know, they said that normally it is our policy to leave the gate receipts if we are playing in a provincial stadium where. You know, the team has only got 2,000 seats available. Um, it's absolutely fair enough. But obviously, in this instance, uh, Chelisak moved the match 100 kilometers away to, to Limoges. Um, a very nice stadium, by the way. A, yeah, it was a very, very nice stadium. <laughs> but it, the capacity is three or four times what the home stadium is. And not only that, they charge up to 35 euros a ticket. Now, 35 euros, um, as uh, Philippe and, and others would know, is... Is more than what you pay in some Ligue 1 games in Lyon or Marseille or, or Nice. Um, it's certainly, so, yeah, it certainly is like twice exactly. the price. I mean, uh, I mean, that you, that okay, you so, usually pay for a Coupe de France game. Exactly. I mean, my, my, especially at this round. Well, it's not even a question of round. It's a Coupe de France game. You you just don't don't yeah. have, you don't you shouldn't have to fork out 30 euros to to, to watch a Coupe de France match. I mean, it's exactly. a very easy amateur competition. Um, 30, 35 euros will get you into the vast majority of Marseille games at the Stade Velodrome and mm, the DCC. Yeah. So their reasoning was that, look, the majority of the, the people that came yesterday were Marseille fans anyway. Um, you've made a lot of money off us already. Um, it sort of doesn't make sense. Fair enough. Again, it seems a little bit tight to actually have to sort of gloat that into a statement. Um, but the reasoning I thought was, was very much on point. And then it sort of you know, spilled into today where where Trelisac, uh, well, the president was not happy. And, and the then, mayor and then, as well. And then the mayor and the city council <laughs> and the, you know, and then, and, you know, the, the first, it's one thing to say, look, Marseille were a bit, you know, jammy and not giving us the money. Fair enough. But to to release a press statement goading Marseille into instead donating to the local FA or the local association that runs volunteer groups, they're just saying, well, if you're not going to give money to us, you should give it to these people and then try and instigate further bad press for OM. I thought that was beneath them. I thought that was a bit low class from them. Um, mm. And also, just a final point to bookend this, uh, Trelisac didn't leave their gates receipts for the last round. Um, 
uh, on the eighth uh, in the eighth round when they probably had reason to. So I think the team that they beat, Bergeron, <laughs> had a little fun on Twitter saying, "Well, you know, sort of takes one to know one, doesn't it?" Oh. Um, so you know, well, at the end of the day, a lot of people will be happy to use the stick to beat Marseille with, but I thought after all, you know, at the end of the day, probably OM had reason uh, to do it because I think they used that money at the end of the season to help fund the OM Next Generation project for clubs in the in the local region. Um, so I think Granville better watch out. And Granville, the next opponents, were also in the fourth division. Uh, when OM played them in 2016, they moved the match to to uh, the Stade Ornano in, in Caen. Uh, 21,000 seats um, and again they probably likely do the same where they will probably make a payday you know the match will be televised mm-hmm. you know they'll make they'll make enough money um, especially if they're drawing and I couldn't help um, but now now everyone realize. will be watching to see if exactly if well, yeah. I, I, I couldn't also help that PSG went above and beyond last night when yeah they played, I was gonna uh, say Lina's that yeah Lary, where they didn't just leave the receipts they sort of did everything possible We'll leave our we we'll leave you the income. We'll leave you the, the, the shirts. We'll leave you our underwear. We'll leave you know, invite you to the next game. We'll we'll do everything. Just I think stick it into how tight Marseille are that they didn't sort of uh, they you know seize that opportunity. I thought. Yeah, I I did notice that um, that little announcement from PSG, which felt a, a little bit pointed as well. But I do yeah. think you make a you make a fair defense of Marseille. I think that I mean, I think that whole thing is a bit far. Well, I'm I'm gonna defend PSG for a change. Okay. Um, I think he just wanted. I, I don't. I honestly don't think he 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 did all this to get back at Marseille. I no, no, think he, no. Not did, just. He did it just yeah. to just to say, okay, this was a great moment of football, of uh, you know, community football, because mm. it's, um, it's really in the middle of nowhere. Uh, the players had a great time. Uh, you're all invited to the Parc des Princes for the game against Dijon. You'll be uh, en loge, so you know, VIPs and stuff. And it was just a nice gesture. I don't, I yeah. don't think yeah. it was, it was no, to no, say we're better than Marseille because we are sharing, we are giving <laughs> the money away. It was mainly in jest, but I, I do think that because I, I think they went above and beyond in that. You know, obviously, it, I think PSG are relatively classy enough to do it anyway. I think they did it for Le Mans uh, in the in the League Cup very recently. Mans being a, a mm. league two club, uh, yeah. where the, the the president in the next morning, you know, commented on how well PSG had reserved. But obviously, I just think my I probably likes to think that in this particular scenario, given what happened early on in the day. That they sort of gifted more than they normally mm. would, just you know, just to cover their bases. Yes, sounds a little bit like uh, uh, you know, it's starting to resemble billionaire philanthropy, where it's kind of competing for who's going to sound uh, the, the best. Um, but yeah, as we said, two other clubs also did the same thing. Lille, who apparently have their own tradition of donating to amateur clubs, they are partnered with. Um, in their region, so they, that's what they use that money for. And uh, Nîmes kind of just kept their money, as far as I can tell. I don't really know what. It was only 9,000 euros for Nîmes, so, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. Really it, pizza. <laughs> it's still 9,000. Um, huh? It's still 9,000. Yeah, but, you know, compared to their budget and... Oh, they were playing Tour, who's not the cheapest. I mean, they're kind of a big third division side so mm-hmm. but you're not going to fight over that i guess 
I hope, anyways. Yeah. Um, they really went down. They really went down the divisions. Shame. Yeah. Uh, let, let's move on then. Clinton, what match? What other match caught your eye? What you know? What excitement did you find this weekend? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> obviously, it was a primary PSG game. Um, All right. But before I talk about it i just want to say that um mets lost today three nil after i bet on them winning oh so, boy <laughs> i'm a bit upset about and that they lost against juan didn't they that was that just finished yeah i guess yeah they did but um oh, <laughs> the game was, was interesting for me because i got to see cavani play you know a full game and for once <laughs> it's been mm. a while and he I, I still think he looks pretty physically off it doesn't seem like it, it's almost like he has lost his body or something you know <laughs> that thing that happened to Wayne Rooney where he played so much and did so much work in his youth and by the time he was getting to 29 30 his body gave way seems to be happening with Cavani I remember some some seasons back I, I always kept hammering it that he needed to look after his body because all that tracking back every time, every time. Obviously, he yeah. is very passionate and he loves the team, but there are times when you just have to look after yourself and not run after every you know, every, every um, defensive situation or something or get involved like that. But I think it, it has taken a toll on him. And But still, he was able to you know, put in a good enough performance. I thought the goalkeeper for um, Linas was... Probably the man of the match, and he's he considered six goals, but it could have been worse. It could have been ten or twelve, but he, he made some point blank saves and all that. So yeah, it was good. Also, um, the run out, um, seeing Sarabia play well, Draxler, and uh, of course Oshish, I, I love him. Uh, is <laughs> the in the making, and generally I, I thought it was a very good performance, and also the penalty save by Sergio Rico. So uh, I found the game very interesting, um, and also the other team did very well. So yeah. Yeah. Philippe, Philippe, you were there. Yeah. W- yeah. What did you make of uh, Captain Cavani and, and the others? Um, I thought well, he didn't look unfit compared to the other players. But uh, the other, well, I mean, to to Linas Moneri, but uh, uh, most of Linas Moneri are not really footballers. They're basically season ticket holders. That. At PSG, so it was a uh, it was nice it was a nice touch of of them um, playing against basically um, the the players they, they used to watch from from the stands. Um, so the game was uh, was playing in Bondouf, which was uh, in the in the middle of nowhere. It was very hard to get to, especially with uh, with the strikes. It's it's really it's really quite a big ground actually. It's very uh, it's a stade départemental, shall we say, a communal ground. Um, yeah. 18,000. It's 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 bigger than Monaco's really. And when when you look when you, when you look at the highlights on on television, you know, yeah, there there was there were really loads and loads of people. Um, and um, and the locals were up for it. I mean, they were really up for it. There, there was um, yeah. They were singing Ali uh, Ali Ninas really quite loud. And uh, we were singing the away in Ali Pari, and uh, you know, the, in terms of uh, you know the uh, uh, in terms of the volume of voices, it was uh, it was pretty much pretty much the same. And then we opened the scoreline, and then there was a penalty, so a great great save by Sergio Rico, and then heartbreak because then straight from the from the penalty save, 
Cavani makes a one-two and Cavani scores a second goal and um, and from here on in you just see well the game's over mm. as a contest it's just, it's just over and in the second half it was I mean we didn't we hardly even celebrated the goals because it was just you know such a foregone conclusion and even 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 the singing was uh, very you know sparse it was it wasn't uh, it wasn't that big uh, you know that that big atmosphere we we could have like at Old Trafford or something like that. Especially since you know it was an open ground, so there was no keeping the keeping the noise in. But apart from that, yeah, it was uh, it was apart from it being uh, very very far away, even though it's it is in 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 the Paris area. It was uh, yeah, it was quite quite good fun. Um, a bit disappointed, I would say, from the uh, local players that uh, Neymar wasn't playing, Icardi wasn't playing, and Mbappe was, uh, wasn't playing. Bit of a, yeah, a bit of a shame for the for the amateur side, but. Uh, and uh, I was going to turn to you next, Philippe, actually, if uh, there's any any other match that kind of stuck out to you, maybe one of the ones you saw. Um, no, I, well, just just to comment uh, that um, I, I was I was I attended Granville's game at Versailles that was on Saturday early at one o'clock. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, well, I don't think I don't think Marseille have gloves to to worry about. Um, okay. Something I'm not sure we we were going to mention, but uh, um, I'm pretty sure you guys noticed that the next round, so the round yes, uh, yeah, we'll have is going to be played on a weekend, which is a, a great yeah, great. Yeah, I found that me. very weird. You find it, but, but I think in I think it's way, I mean, is it? I, are you I, I think it's, surprised yeah. or? Yeah. That's We're good. It's on a weekend, right? You said. Yeah, it's in two weeks. Yeah, two weeks is soon. It's I noticed well, that. It's but... next week, or not weekend after next. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I yeah. think, um, it's it's it, you know I think before it used to only be this round that was um, midweek. Uh, but you, I think you, the more of the cup, the more that the cup can be um, at least. I think while lower league sides in it i think it's fantastic that it can be played at the weekend and i think for the teams that need it and do get eliminated for them to have a sort of a de facto winter break um having already probably had a winter break already in league yeah um makes obviously all the more uh better and i think makes a difference as well um and i think it's good to see just you know break it up a little bit um we've got a couple of fantastic fixtures i think in the next round as well um yeah yeah, uh, we'll talk about the draw yeah. in just a second. Okay. okay, I just wanted to say something. Mm-hmm. I just remembered something now um, from the Bordeaux-Le um, yeah. Mans game. This guy, Yusuf um, Aziz, I've been looking at him for a bit. Um, he met, it's on lo- he's on loan from Mets. He had a very, very good game. He looked Playing for really, Le Mans? Yeah, he's on loan from Mets. He had a very, very good game. He looked really good. And I, I, I spotted him in a game recently also and he was really good in that game as well so um i was wondering if mets are even thinking of bringing him back in january considering they have the relegation battle coming up and it looks like a player that could really really do well for them you know already but um just another comment on his performance anyway he had a very 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 good game what was his name again yusuf maziz Yusuf Maziz. Interesting. All right, we'll follow that. Mo, was there was there another standout match for you? Um, let's have a look. Um, 
How about um, Atletico Marseille? I'm sure you... Atletico Marseille, yeah, it's the second team in Marseille. They are into the next round. Um, it's, it's a shame because I've still, I, I don't, first of all, I don't agree with their rebranding and the <laughs> sort of weird spelling of Atletico. Of Atletico, yeah. Um, it's, it's yeah, a bit cringy, but, you know, to each his own. Um, and, I, you know, I want to see them do well because obviously they had great uh, ambitions to become properly the second club in Marseille. They were a game or two away from uh, being a league a couple of years ago, twice. Um, which would have been absolutely fantastic for, for football in, in, in the Marseille region. Um, and then being relegated uh, to the fifth tier uh, because of financial mm-hmm. issues um, amongst that rebrand was, I think, a bitter pill to swallow because they were amazing. Uh, they've got Zidane's nephew, Chris um, Zidane, on the bench, um, which is uh, quite remarkable. Um, he was an unused substitute so it didn't matter anyway um and yeah for them to qualify for the last 16 um, and we'll face Wren um the, the the title holders is fantastic for them and Wren will be playing both Marseille sides um this week and next um home and away so it'll be oh, great wow. if both Marseille sides <laughs> can do the double um and I think it'll make a, a, the world of good for, for the football in the Marseille region I have a question Yes. yes. <laughs> um, does the name Atletico Marseille <laughs> ring a bell? <laughs> think, 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 think. Europa Shoot. League final. 20. Oh. <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't think that's why they did it? Uh, nah, nah. No. That's trust perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was funny though. Atletico <laughs> Marseille. Oh boy. Yeah, that... that. <laughs> That would be pointed, but I, I don't think so. Um, right, I'll go through some other results very quickly. Reims Saint-Anne, Montpellier. I watched this one out of curiosity as a former uh, resident of, of Reims. Uh, Reims Saint-Anne are in sixth division, uh, the real sixth division in, in their case. They're the club from. They're the club that gave us Robert Pires, amongst others, and, and actually their name, their stadium is named after him. Uh, but they were playing at Stade de Reims' ground, Auguste Delon, to host Montpellier. Uh, Montpellier won 1-0. It was a return from injury for Jordan Ferry, who missed the penalty. Um, uh, some other results very quickly. Lyon won 7-0 against their partner club from third division, Bourg-en-Bresse. Uh, good performance there from uh, Moussa Dembele with a few goals. We'll talk about him uh, towards the end of the show around the transfers. Um, and also Saint-Étienne won 3-0 against Bastia Borgo uh, in a return to Corsica for Wabi Kazri, who was also back from injury, had a good performance there from him too. Oops. And Lille, who were up 3-0 against, who was it, Ron L'Etape, almost blew it away. Uh, the fifth division side scored two goals, but couldn't exactly catch them up. So 3-2. Now, the draw for... Uh, the next round, we talked about a few of them. As we said, Saint-Pierroise from, from La Réunion are playing Epinal. Atletico Marseille play the holders Rennes. Um, Saint-Privé-Saint-Hilaire, who beat Toulouse, fourth division, are playing Monaco. That's an interesting draw as well. Philippe, Red Star hosts Nice. That, that could be a, a fun one. Yeah. Um, I don't think there'll be much 
uh, successful Red Star this time because mm-hmm. uh, I believe Chambly, uh, uh, what to, to be honest, I think Red Star are maybe a bit uh, too good for National, and even though they haven't started the, the season the, that well, so that's why they're not top yet. I'm pretty sure they're going to go up, but uh, this could be a bit too much. But you know, you never know. It's a Coupe de France and all that. Not quite sure where the game is going to be held. I doubt it'll be at Bauer. I'm pretty sure it will probably be held at Jean Bois, which is right next to the Parc des Princes. It's uh, two weeks is very short to make that kind of decision. Uh, hopefully they'll have an announcement soon, I guess. Also, well, I the pre- have to make it tomorrow, otherwise, you know. Yeah. I'm looking forward to. Uh, well, I'm I'm not quite sure when they do that, but when when are the uh, French Football Federation, the FA, uh, supposed to to say when each game is going to play? What 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 when do I they? Think by by uh, the end of the week. Uh, yeah. Normally it should be. Normally, it, I mean, the last round took about a week. Um, yeah. But that was for games a month in advance, so I assume mm. it would be by Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at the absolute latest. Only because mm-hmm. the logistics is very, very tight. The draw well, yeah, because the I last would round was on the 12th of December, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, it would be done at the very least by the end of this week. If not yeah, by I would, Wednesday, I would hope so. Say. Because, you know, even though it's on the weekend, there's still a lot of time to be to be taken in for science. Yeah. Um, especially for, you know, Saint-Pierre was. Yeah. Be, exactly. <laughs> would be nice well, to well maybe, they'll, maybe they'll be staying the in France. Back. Yeah. Yeah, I think well, they could be staying here for two weeks. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to find out. Um, also in the Parisian region region for you to go see, Philippe, is Paris FC Saint-Etienne. That, that could be a, an interesting one. PSG play Lorient. Marseille play at Grandville. And uh, Lille play at 5th Division side Gonfreville. Right. In the midweek... We have more cup action with the quarterfinals from the Coupe de la Ligue, uh, the last ever Coupe de la Ligue. Uh, Reims-Strasbourg, Lyon play Brest, Lille-Amiens, and PSG Saint-Etienne. Uh, Clinton, which one seems the most interesting to you? Definitely PSG Saint-Etienne. Ooh. <laughs> Can't look past do you, it. Uh, do you I think Saint-Etienne we'll... have a chance? <clears throat> no. <laughs> I think it's good to be... <laughs> As much as I, I want to see a great cup tie, I think that um, PSG would, would easily win that uh, with the way Saint-Étienne have looked in recent weeks. Uh, so, But I, I do think it will be an interesting game, though, and I'll be hoping to see Saint-Étienne actually go for it and try to you know, make a game out of it. Ultimately, I think they'll lose, but they should at least try. Yeah. It should be fun. I would say the probably the most... Uh, the hardest one to call is Reims Strasbourg. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's on Tuesday. Tough. Yeah, uh, one to look for. Uh, Mo, Philippe, any thoughts on Coupe de la Ligue? Who do we think, uh, you know, could be? Is there anyone who won't be taking this seriously enough? I'm thinking uh, maybe Lyon. <laughs> no way. I mean, I I would love to. I mean, I'd love to see a bit of a shock. Um, mm. At least from Brussels and Etienne, but I think there's a very high chance that the four home sides will, will qualify for yeah for the semi final, where things probably would get a little bit interesting, especially if Lyon end up getting drawn at home to PSG in semi final. Um, yeah, Ooh. you know, being you know that that would be probably chance of winning a cup. Um, it's yes, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wish teams took it more seriously. Um, 
PSG at home, you know, it's they'll be able to field a host of stars that were arrested um, at the weekend. I actually found it really interesting that yesterday also, um, while well, just quickly pivoting back to the French Cup, uh, mm-hmm. yesterday was only the second time since 2011 that PSG did not field a Brazilian player. Wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, That's that was that how reliant they are on a very small group of Brazilians as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it, it, yeah it was quite surprising. But yeah, they would they'll bring back you know the likes of Icardi, uh, Mbappe, Neymar, and and, and Co against Etienne. So that will be one sided. Um, I, I just wish it's the last it's the last cup. Anybody at PSG I think deserves deserves it <laughs> uh, or would like to see deserve it. Um, so fingers crossed for that one. Um, for me, if Brest managed to do something. Um, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Very much so. Um, and finally, transfers. Not that many stories, really, but the big one towards the end of last week, uh, as reported by GFFN, was uh, an offer from Chelsea for Moussa Dembele. Uh, we don't really know the amount, not to my knowledge. Uh, but Lyon issued a statement to say that Moussa Dembele would not be leaving the club. Does anyone believe them? Uh, how do we feel on that? On that? Would he play ahead of Abraham? Possibly. I don't think so. I mean, he is quite... He does have credit in the UK from his time at Celtic. Yeah, but um, Celtic. Lampard loves Danny, so... I mean, Abraham oh, no, is he, good. He, exactly. I mean, no, he has credit not just in the UK, but also... He did remarkably well at Fulham um, as mm. well just before that. That is true, so, yeah, um, I forgot about that. So he is obviously a very credible striker, but I think for his benefit and the fact that he is about to, he's got a fantastic goal record, um, nearly a goal every two games across, you know, Championship, Prem, Scottish Premiership and then, then Liga. Um, but just for his, at this point in his career where, He'll be replacing the number one French striker, say if the deal does go go ahead, um, the number one French striker who cannot get a game at his club. Now he's at the yeah. inverse. He probably would be able to get the ga- a, a, some game time in the interim, but will it be the move that helps him propel him into the France squad where he's now on the cusp of it? I think it's a very dangerous move. And mm. I think as we've so seen, you're making it this not, time, yeah, yeah, not just for not just for you know, Tammy Abraham's doing well, but Tammy Abraham is only doing well because of the extraordinary circumstances that Chelsea were in, where they had to play him yeah. uh, because yeah. of the transfer ban, where they had to really use their resources. And it's worked out really, really well. And I think in Lampard, he's got a, they've got a coach where they're starting to play the youngsters, but let's not lie. If they still had, if they if the transfer ban hadn't been in place, um, they wouldn't have been in this, in this situation. Probably wouldn't have gone for Lampard in the first instance either. Um, but, you know, this is a unique situation where they're now coming out of. Higuain couldn't do well there. Uh, Michi Bashwai, another striker from Liga, uh, previously mm. has struggled to break into that side. Um, Musa Nambele will be, you know, very careful in sort of avoiding that trap as well. Alcao wasn't very popular either, was he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that was uh, post See, uh, injury. Not, not. Wanting to, to, to go into a whole uh, tactical analysis of Chelsea's uh, uh, 
uh, Chelsea's uh, squad uh, since they last won the league. But I think that has a lot to do with with how the uh, the midfield was being uh, dynamized by by Conte or or Mourinho or or other or other managers who actually failed so, to to do to do to do anything. To, uh, I mean, to do anything right, so that the strikers would be in good uh, would be in good uh, situations to score. So I'm, not, I'm not sure that's quite down to the strikers. Mm. Mm. Um, you mentioned the French national team there, Mo. Uh, this, there was a story the other day about Paul Pogba. Manchester United announced that he was getting ankle surgery and would be out for six weeks. Uh, mm. Looking forward to the Euro. Who is worried about Pogba? I think that uh, he's. Uh, I think it's it's okay for him to have all these niggling injuries, and that uh, uh, as we near June, uh, he'll get it. He'll get it sorted. Uh, he'll have his rest, and uh, we'll be up and running for the Euros. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing is that maybe the optimistic so- in me, but yeah. yeah. Sometimes players who suffer with injuries at the start of the season for a long time, and then come back in form towards the end are actually a lot fresher for summer tournaments than players who have had a full season. And in, in some ways that can be a blessing in disguise. But then the question is, will he be able to, you know, find his form again in the next six months? And that's yeah. where the insert. I mean, is. we can't predict the future. We can't yeah, predict exactly. The, the general trend is that, you know, he's, he's barely played. He's only played eight times this season. Yeah, he's, um, he's got his injury issues. There's a, there's a shroud of secrecy around, this current injury, which is where Ole Gunnar Scorcher has no idea, um, you know, who's ordered this operation at to uh, whose behest it was. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, Pop has not played well. I mean, he, he's far more comfortable in the French national team than Man United. So if he doesn't end, turn it, you know, end up going, um, I have no doubt that he will sort of really perform to the best of his ability where, uh, you know, with, with smarter, more intelligent players, with players at the peak of the performance rather than, the sort of turgid mess that Manchester United is at the moment. Um, <laughs> so he, he did that. He, you know, he showed at the World Cup. You know, he had a starring role in the World Cup final, the, you know, the biggest game in the world. Uh, so I've known that he's a fantastic quality player. Um, but just a season, a heavily interrupted season. And France basically don't have enough time to waste in the Euros because mm. you know, the group that they're in, it's not a slow building tournament. They're playing direct rivals straight away from the off. You know, if they had they been had they had an easy group like England, for example, you could have probably spared them for the first game and then slowly ease them in as the tournament, you know, increases in intensity. Uh, you know, they need all 23 that Deschamps selects in the summer. And obviously, there's no question that he's not going to be selected. But basically, all the players in that squad need to be on top of their game from the get-go. You know, mm. in Euro 2016, they were hampered by really turgid showings against Albania and Switzerland before sort of holding it off. Um, and the same in the World Cup against Australia and, and Denmark and uh, the escapes me. Peru, yeah. Peru so you get you get my point. So you get my yeah. point. Like at this point, you know, they're they're playing a very, very difficult group. And they need the sort of a Pogba who's, you know, had a strong end to the season. You know, he's picking up goals and assists because he can't switch on like a tap. He's not gonna be able to switch it on against Germany or Portugal, you know, having been away from the game or or sort of not giving his all, um, especially when the likes of Conte and and the rest would have been doing it in comparison, you know. Yeah. Um, so, about so on the subject of the French national team. Yes. Uh, we had the here's here's a question. Uh, do you think that Giroud will play 
uh, will start for France even if he doesn't he doesn't uh, play a single minute of football from from now until I, I, the start. Of, in that case, I, no. I, I would say yes. I, I would say yes would, too. Would, if he doesn't play would, one minute. No, no, but it would it would count mainly, yeah. and I think in Deschamps' eyes, it would count mainly on the March friendlies. Yeah. If he still manages to be of use to the team in those friendlies while being cast away in, in his club role, um, mm. Deschamps might stick with him. If because he will be called up in March, and if in March the fact that his intensity has dropped so much or his match fitness has dropped so much that he's unable to sort of keep a high level, then Deschamps will obviously have reason to change and will probably will. Um, and the March friendlies are not too far away. It's there's still like two and a half, three months till, till the Euros get going. Um, so there's plenty of time to sort of chop and change till then. Um, but it's in Giroud's absolute best interest to, to leave Chelsea mm-hmm. ASAP. I mean, I, I don't think he will play if he doesn't have a minute of football because Deschamps even told him not to go to MLS where he would play, but that's apparently not good enough for Deschamps. So I think they've kind of passed the last chance. And yeah, January is crucial for him. I really hope he can find something. The thing is, I don't think Inter is a good uh, is a good destination for him either. I, I agree. I, I agree. I, I only yeah. think he'll be in Lukaku's shadow, and and I just watched uh, this evening Inter Inter winning at, Na- amazing, at Napoli, yeah. and Lautaro Martinez and Lukaku are both extraordinary play, and he'll be he'll probably yeah he'll be a sub come come on off the bench, which is, which he's not doing at Chelsea, if I'm uh, if I remember correctly. But he, he's not going to play either. Mm. It's going to be the same problem. He's not going to start. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ever. Well. I mean, Lukaku is in such red-hot form that uh, he's, uh, you know, no way. 20, he's got 25 days to find something. He needs to find a, shall we say, a nicer club, you know, less, uh, less high-profile. Mm. He's got 25 days. Uh, let's let's hope for him something works. Uh, the March friendlies are Ukraine and Finland. Um, it was tough for France to find those because apparently no one wants to play France. But the story today is that in the June friendlies, just before the Euro, uh, France might be playing Croatia, which uh, would certainly draw a crowd uh, to to that kind of match. Uh, I, I would very much look forward to that. Right, that's all from us today. Thank you, as usual, um, thanks, Clinton McDavis. Thank you. And thank you, Mo. Thank you. And thanks, Philippe. Thank you. Uh, as always, for all the latest news concerning French football, you can follow GFFN at GFFN on Twitter or look at our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. The preview show will be back uh, this week out on Friday morning and we'll return next week as usual. Thank you for listening. <laughs>